Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the FT Advisor podcast. I'm Damien Fantato, Deputy Editor of Financial Advisor. Today is the last day of Good Money Week, which aims to highlight sustainable and ethical investing. Awareness of issues such as climate change and pollution have increased hugely recently, whether due to the Extinction Rebellion protests or the focus on plastics in David Attenborough's documentaries. But what should advisors and investors bear in mind when investing ethically? We're here with Ed Smith, Head of Asset Allocation Research at Rathbones. Hello, Ed. Hello. And Alan Chan, a Chartered Financial Planner at IFS Wealth and Pensions. Hello, Alan. To discuss this. So, Ed, given the current state of capitalism, we're looking at uh, lower returns in the future, are we? Uh, yeah. Um, the short answer is definitely yes. Uh, the long answer, well, how long have you got? I'll try and be mm. quick. First of all, um, growth in GDP per capita or productivity growth, in other words, um, in high income countries was. Uh, running at about 4.5% 50 years ago, and it has declined to 1.5% today. Now, in the long run, productivity is pretty much everything. It drives profit, it drives the standard of living, it drives investment return. Meanwhile, whilst that uh, driver investment returns has been declining, uh, income and wealth inequality has been increasing now, uh, some level of inequality is unavoidable in capitalism. It's a quid pro quo, but we've been getting an awful lot of the quid and not much of the quo. Um, and if this inequity causes the median voter to then move to a populist government uh, with not particularly great policy, then that's not great for investment returns either. And I think we can all think of a few examples around the world where that's starting to happen today. And then thirdly, companies are investing less uh, as they've been more oriented to making a very quick short-term profit for short-term shareholders, coupled with the fact that rich people are getting more of the income and, and saving more of, of the income, as we just discussed, that pushes down on interest rates. If there's less desire to invest, more desire to save, interest rates are lower. And that's a real problem for our investors who have a low willingness or ability to take on risk, who traditionally would have looked in fixed income markets, now can't find any return there. And I think this is all about capitalism going somewhat awry, but capitalism can also be the solution. Alan, there's obviously been a lot of interest in new ways of investing. Um, the growth of ESG investing has been quite large in recent years. I think it's going from 4.5 billion in 2008 to 16.7 uh, billion um, as of last year. Um, how do you feel that um, ESG investing can um, address some of these issues in terms of lower returns, if they can at all? Well, I think there's, there's there's always been a myth, first of all, that you know ESG funds or ethical funds traditionally have um, produced lower returns, and that's a, you know a clear myth that's been debunked by n numerous um, studies, and one of which was uh, Morning Stars quite recently to say that um, they you know their conclusion was that you know investing in ESG funds is not at a disadvantage in terms of investment performance, you know, compared to their uh, non-ESG counterparts. And actually, if you think about it logically, you know, an ESG fund would consider, you know, the environmental, the social and the government's aspects of, of, of a particular stock before they invest in it. So look beyond just pure numbers. So, you know, doing that through that rigorous process, you'd expect that with that particular stock, having gone through that rigorous process, would be quite good as a long-term investment. Um, so we actually think that ESG funds 
you know, would deliver you know, pretty good returns long term and like at no disadvantage and possibly even better returns. And they have shown that you know, some ESG funds have actually produced better returns than their non-ESG counterparts as well. Mm. I totally agree. Yeah. I mean, uh, look at the academic literature. There's over 2,000 studies relating um, corporate social responsibility to financial performance. 50% of them, a positive relationship is found. 40% of them, it's too hard to tell. 10%, only 10% is there a negative relationship found. And in pretty much all of that 10%, it's just looking at the performance of some very basic ethical strategies, i.e. screening out certain things. And, and guess what? ESG is a little bit harder than just avoiding tobacco guns and porn right um, uh, there isn't a quick fix for, for this but but the but um, if you employ a positive screening process yeah there's there's good really great uh, studies that suggest that there's as much as a five percent annual return premium to be had by investing in companies that rank highly on responsibility metrics and avoiding the ones uh, that rank poorly. And that's after adjusting for other factors, holding thing, other things equal. That's a genuine premium. So, Alan, bearing in mind that you have to invest your clients suitably, um, at what point do you do you just sort of default them into something which might be a little bit ESG-like? Or do you only wait until they say, I, I am an ESG investor, I want to, um, I care about this stuff passionately? That is the approach that we take at the moment. Um I think it's from a you know, compliance perspective, you know, an ESG fund or you know, traditionally an ethical fund um, does carry a little bit of additional you know, risks associated with it. So we would want to establish the client's views and their preferences to investing, you know, first of all, and we'll dig a bit deeper to find out what exactly does ethical mean to that individual. And from there, we'll then recommend, you know, an ethical portfolio for them. But the, at the moment, the default approach would be a traditional investment and portfolio. Mm-hmm. And a similar sort of question, when you're looking at asset allocation, do you um, see that you have to um, have separate ethical bits over here and normal stuff that invests in guns over there? Or do you see the the investment case for ESG stocks as such that you can sort of mix and match them into one Thing. Yeah, we the goal that Rathbones is working towards, Rathbones Investment Management is working towards, um, is to integrate ESG into the whole process because there's lots of evidence that that helps us avoid, you know, the the blow ups. It, it helps us identify companies with a lower cost of capital, higher return on capital. So there's lots of good reasons. Um, to incorporate it into your entire process, even if you don't care about child poverty or polar bears and are simply motivated by investment returns. There's lots of evidence that this is a good way to capture the best investment um, returns. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of greenwashing going on in our industry at the moment. And I want to be clear that, you know, Rathbones is not necessarily doing this any better than anyone else at the moment. We've got a brilliant heritage in Rathbones Green Bank that really is exceptional. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're at the beginning of this process uh, in Rathbane's investment management, but we're really thinking about this holistically right the way from you know, picking stocks all the way up to asset allocation. Uh, and so we don't think it is a question of uh, an ethical bucket and then normal stuff over here. Mm. So, Alan, do you see a time when that's the sort of approach that advisors are adopting? Because it sounds like that's the sort of direction fund managers are moving in when everything is sort of 
ethical sustainably ish yeah i do actually i think we're i think we're starting to see that um coming through you know um and it's regulation that's driving that so if you look at some of the larger occupational dc pension schemes so we're talking 100 members or more um, the trustees are already having to consider esg factors when they're selecting their um, investments or their fund managers so it'll be interesting to see how that would filter down to the smaller schemes you know auto enrollment schemes and then through down to fund level and advisor level but i do think that that is the way forward is more esg considerations you know with, with particular funds and um, it may be in the near future that advisors will start to do that a bit more but at the moment i think it's all fairly new to the industry so it's a bit more wait and see mm-hmm. at the moment yeah sure and um Ed, Alan touched on this a little earlier, but ethical can mean lots of different things to lots of different people. Some people might be perfectly relaxed about investing in guns, but less so about investing in oil. How does that affect sort of the way you allocate assets? Yeah, there's lots of different flavours of of ESG. You know, from very simple, just screening out a few things, to the next level up, where you're sort of looking to screen positively as well as negatively. Look for those companies that are aligned to certain goals, score highly on environmental metrics, etc. Uh, and you can sort of move up and up and up, you know, right the way up to impact investing, where you're looking specifically for companies that have social responsible goal almost as their mission statement. Now, right at that end, you're clearly narrowing your universe quite a bit. Uh, and uh, it's less clear that if you, if you become that focused on ESG that you will necessarily deliver the best financial performance, but at that stage you're probably motivated by something else as much as the financial. So there are lots of different uh, flavors. I think it's uh, important for investors to 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 think about you know which one is 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 right for them because they do come with different risk return profiles as you know as Alan's alluded to. Mm-hmm. And Alan, as you um, if you have a client who says I'm again perfectly relaxed about guns um less so about pornography i'm not sure whether there are any listed pornography i'm not sure i <laughs> don't know why that um not over here i don't think i think there are um, uh, there was one in sweden a while ago okay um i'm oh, less relaxed about oil uh, for example it, it kind of becomes a bit awkward i guess because you're having to tailor something quite particular is is that possible i think it is possible to a certain extent i mean you can look through the funds you know the ethical criteria and make sure that it does align to the client's you know preferences but in most cases it's it's not possible to get exactly what the client wants and it they've got to settle for effectively a compromise um so it'll be a blend between you know ethical and esg and sustainable funds because there's a you know different shades of you know ethical um ways of investing um and the important thing is, you know, if they if they do you know, feel so strongly about a particular sector like um, you know, tobacco or excluding those uh, weapon uh, industries, that they can look at ethical funds which have a negative screening to avoid those sectors. But um, you know, research has shown that if you com- if you completely exclude sectors from investing, it can have an impact on the actual performance returns over time. So you know, what we try to do is try to educate the clients actually, so to, to make them aware that. Lots of newer ethical and sustainable and ESG funds, you know, rather than trying to avoid the issue completely, they actually try to adopt a positive um, engagement approach. Mm-hmm. So by investing into those particular companies, they can drive 
um, changes to be, you know, behaviours and you know, from the management level to the way they do things so that it becomes a bit more ethical now. So you know, from that perspective, once clients understand that, they're a bit more open to investing in those areas because you know, like I said, rather than running away from the problems, it's actually tackling the root cause and that's a bit more of a better approach to do that, I feel, yeah. Do you see that activism, Ed, as being an important Yeah, uh, I mean, that's sometimes Rath, something Rathbane's has been doing for a while. You know, we, um, yeah, we uh, people in our ethical, ethical arm have been helping drive the sort of modern slavery, uh, anti-modern slavery agenda, and, and part of that is through uh, engagement with companies on their supply chains. Yeah, we and we're seeing. I think there was quite a big um, uh, example in the US that got a lot of publicity over the last year, and that this investment uh, sort of organisation of nuns has been have been heavily sort of uh, lobbying, but uh, taking investments in gun companies and heavily lobbying for for gun change. They've been getting a lot of press over there, and I think this stuff can really you know, start to um, start to work if it gains critical mass. Mm. Yeah, there's um, occasionally you see stories about um, you know, various local government pension schemes investing in tobacco or stuff like that, which is um, yeah, grabs the headlines, I guess. I mean, I think that if you're a small pension scheme and you take a, a, a position in British American tobacco, your voice is going to be pretty diluted. Mm-hmm. So I think the thing to do is try and work with some other pension schemes or some, you know, it gets together in groups and sort of really combine combine your your vote and lobby for change there. Mm. Um, Alan, do you feel that as an advisor you sort of have the appropriate, the, the, the product suite that you need to do ethical investing properly for your, for your clients or is it still a, um, a slightly um, um, beleaguered side of um, the investment management world? I think we've got all the tools, you know, to to deliver, um, you know, an ethical portfolio for for clients now to get a good returns. And you know, if you if you wind back, you know, five or ten years ago, the the investment universe for ethical investments was very very narrow. You know, you'd only had a, had a handful of funds to choose from. But now we're seeing this demand um, more and more for ESG funds, and it's, dri- it's driven not so much by you know the elderly people, but elderly investors. It's by more millennials and younger investors actually they're a bit more conscious about where their money's going and they really want to um you know take responsibility all the way down to where their money's going and actually you know, achieve responsible profits rather than just you know achieving the highest profit possible and just investing in anything that can do that but they're actually really you know, looking into what they're investing so i think we've got like I say, lots of funds to choose from now to, mm. to actually build the right portfolio and i guess there are plenty of companies that are setting up ESG funds because it's cool and um, gets them a few um, gets them, gets them a few column inches. Uh, do you see that as being something that you have to keep an eye out for? When you... Absolutely, yeah. No, we're always keeping an eye out for new developments in this area because, like I say, it is an ever growing, um, growing faster than ever. This part of the investment market, and, and we think it's you know it's, it's going to con- continue to keep growing. How do you tell the difference between ones which are funds which are actually ESG and ones which are set up by a fund management company. Well, I think um, there's no real shortcuts about it. I mean, you have to look at the the fund prospectus and do a bit of due diligence, understand a bit more about what the objectives are, what their ethical criteria is, how they go about selecting their stock and the process behind it. Um, and also a bit, a bit of wait and see. So we normally wouldn't choose a new fund that's come into the market. We'd have to you have a little bit of a track record. We we'll give it two or three years before we, you know, see how how they've performed and um, what their investment process has been before we actually include that into our portfolios for clients. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, now, what do you, uh, speaking as somebody who is involved in asset allocation, what do you think is is, is a important a key way of telling the difference between something which is basically a, a marketing exercise and something which is actually an ESG product? I think you've got to look for a uh, a strong use of quantitative data. Yeah, there's lots of evidence there that suggests that you know, a quantitative approach can lead to good uh, investment returns. You've got to look for a clear alignment with things like the sustainable development goals of the UN, or there's a sustainability accounting body now that set out um, guidelines for what ESG uh, factors are material for certain sectors. So a, a real uh, effort to engage um, with the with the sort of data driven evidence as well as some clear sort of qualitative um, goals or tram lines um, or, uh, on, on, on how they go about implementing their strategy and, and, and a real clear definition of what it is they're trying to achieve. You know, these funds can try and achieve different, different things. Some can be quite specific, just aligned to a few development goals some can simply be looking to enhance investment returns via good corporate social responsibility i think if the fund has thought hard about all of those things you can be pretty sure it's not just a marketing department slapping a green label or something for a quick buck and thank you very much ed and thank you very much alan uh, for more information on this and uh, any other topic uh, visit ftadvisor.com and thank you for listening and uh, tune in again soon thank you Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.